The time has come, so turn up the sound. It's time for Buried Broadway. Hiya. Hello. I'm Jen Beverelli. And I'm Mikey Beverelli. And welcome to Buried Buried Broadway. Broadway, Where we discover, dissect, and demystify forgotten Broadway musicals. That we most likely found on vinyl for a dollar. So, Mikey. Yes, Jen. Since the last episode, it was your birthday. Yes, it was. Uh, I have turned another year older. And maybe wiser. <laughs> maybe. This episode will tell. <laughs> and um, for my birthday, Jen made me a nice pizza and cake, uh, which I enjoyed a lot and will probably also indicate how old I am. Five. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone likes pizza and cake. That's true. Of some sort. Also for Mikey's birthday, you guys probably saw on our social media pages that I put together a little blooper reel of Mikey just because I thought it was funny and <laughs> we had the content, but it went with a weird slideshow, which was probably awkward. I liked it a lot and it made it even more special because it was shared with you guys and all of your likes and comments. Yeah, and thank you guys so much for following us and getting us the downloads and things like that. It was a really awesome gift for Mikey, and he was not expecting it, and he was like, what are you doing? But (laughs) I did it anyway. So if you want to see stuff like that, or if you didn't see that post, remember to follow us on Instagram at Buried Broadway for more trivia on today's show. Or follow our Facebook page by searching for Buried Broadway. Of course, you can always email us at buriedbroadway at gmail.com. Or you can visit our website, beverelli.com. If you want to get in touch, just follow this address. It's B-E-V-A-R-E-L-L-I dot com. So today's show is Two by Two. Book by Peter Stone, lyrics by Martin Sharnan, and music by Richard Rogers. So the out-of-town tryouts were in New Haven and Boston. It opened on Broadway on November 10th, 1970. It closed on September 11th, 1971. It had six previews and 351 performances. At the Imperial Theater. Which is a theater that most recently held Ain't Too Proud. Jenna and I actually saw Natasha Pierre in the Great Comet of 1812 there. So other things playing at the time. No No Nanette. Company. Applause. 1776. And Jesus Christ Superstar. Walter Willison was nominated for a Tony Award for Best Featured Actor in a Musical. Walter Willison and Trisha O'Neill received Theater World Awards for their performances. Which is an award ceremony recognizing Broadway and off-Broadway debuts since 1944. So the famous person that is in this show is Danny Kaye, who everyone should know from At least White Christmas. At least. But he was in a bunch of other Golden Age movies, musical, thingamabops. But this is what it says on the back of the album about him. This is his entire bio. Danny Kaye is the only good, upright, dependable, virtuous, and fully accredited leading man left in the whole world. Or at least he is in Two by Two, Richard Rogers' new musical production based on Clifford Odette's poetic retelling of the legend of Noah's Ark. 
not really a full bio, so we're going <laughs> to help you a little bit. This was Danny Kaye's first Broadway appearance since 1941, which is almost 30 years. So it was highly anticipated. Danny Kaye kept the show afloat, but he would ad-lib a lot. That was his style, which didn't make the director or Richard Rogers very happy. His ad-libs were the thing that was said to have kept him from being in consideration of a Tony Award. He actually tore a ligament in Act 1 while climbing the arc, and when he left, ticket sales plummeted and refund requests went way up. So after just 12 days, he came back. They actually restaged the show slightly so he could perform it in a wheelchair and cast, which supposedly led to him ad-libbing even more. Richard Rogers wanted him to stop improvising, but he knew that Danny Kaye was the only thing keeping the show going. So, let's read a little teaser, even though we're about to get into the show. But we just like reading everything that's on the back cover to you guys, because we have it, and it exists. So on the back cover, it says, Two by two is a kind of theatrical rainbow, a testament to the eternal powers of human rejuvenation. In Joe Layton's powerful staging, it speaks to us in language that is pertinent to today. In the music of Richard Rogers and the lyrics of Martin Sharnan, it enchants us with truths that are so old they are new again, so human they are both funny and touching. In all, a reassuring event for the world as well as for the musical theater. Ooh. So, without further ado, let's get into this show. Now, the back cover is full of the summary. Like, full. So, we are going to read the entire thing for you. I hope this episode isn't three hours long. (laughs) Act 1. It is Noah's 600th birthday, and so far no one has remembered it. The old man is up and has fed the chickens. Noah sits and tries vainly to add a chapter to the book of Genesis. And it came to pass, he writes, but can't finish the sentence. Nothing of any consequence has come to pass in 600 years. Then, rather unexpectedly, God drops in. His calling card a thunderbolt, his message written across the sky in great art. Noah alone sees and comprehends this, and, at first, even he is a bit dubious. It's nice to be remembered on your birthday, but a bored 600-year-old chicken farmer doesn't expect too much. Then he learns the reason for his holy social call. The job God has in mind for him is to provide survival for all the species of the world, two of everything that walks, flies, or creeps, plus Noah's own immediate family. He is to build an ark of gopher wood and then expect rain. (laughs) Is that a thing? I guess so. I don't know. I'm sure it's biblical. In fact, a flood. Specifications for the exact size of the Ark are given in cubits. What's that? uh, I forgot. It's like someone found this out somehow by looking at ancient texts, but... (laughs) Also, FYI, for this entire thing, Mikey and I were both raised Catholic, but Mikey went to fancy Catholic school (laughs) where he went to, like, religion classes, so he probably knows a lot more about the Old Testament than I do. I do. (laughs) (laughs) But um, you know enough. I know that it exists. The end. (laughs) Noah's reaction to these divine greetings is what you might expect. He tries to think of a more likely, a more worthy man. A better carpenter. A sailor even. Anybody else. Which leads into the first song, Why Me? I just think of Shrek. (laughs) Why me? Why me? (laughs) 
Okay, Why that's enough. Let's listen to Danny Kane. <laughs> I get pains in unorthodox places. I'm as physically fit as a flea. I'm no leader of men, and I drink now and then. Why me? Why me? Why me? I would gladly do all you command me. I would gladly go out on a limb. But it's too big an order you hand me. And what's worse, I don't know how to swim. Let well, there he is. My man. Signature Danny Kay. I just think of him in my head as being so much younger. Yo, he's not that old in this, though. He's still in his 50s. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, but his voice, like, he's also doing a character voice, Mm -hmm. so he, like, sounds, his voice sounds really thin. Usually, he sounds a lot better, no offense, than this. (laughs) This is just, he speaks singing, I'm not too wowzed. Maybe we'll hear more in some later songs. Okay. Abruptly, God is gone again. Noah calls his family to him and begins to explain. His eldest son, Shem, with his wife, Leah leave their olive pickers unattended. His second son, Ham, leaves his gambling and sends for his Gambling? Yeah, I guess so. And sends for his estranged wife, Rachel. Japheth, the virgin third son who lives at home, appears with nothing going for him but his (laughs) ideals and an oversized chip on his shoulder. Well, yeah, he's a virgin. He lives at home. (laughs) They had to say that. I mean, he's a virgin. He lives at home. He has a huge chip on his shoulder. Let's just... And also, how old is he? If Noah's 600 years old, is oh, he like <laughs> is he like a 120-year-old virgin? Because that sucks. Well, time is different then. Mm, it still sucks. I'm trying to think of uh, gambling during this time. It's not slot machines. No, I feel like it's like rocks. <laughs> I bet you that this rock is going to touch that rock. I don't know why they're from, like, (laughs) West Virginia. When Noah explains that God means to destroy the world because mankind offends him, the news is not taken as gospel. Ham is sure the old man is mentally cracked. Leah and Shem reserve judgment. But Noah's further explanations only make it worse. There's only one thing to do with the old dotard. Which leads to the next song. Put him away! Oh no! <laughs> to the biblical mental side. That's a pretty big bumper. Oh, why so big? Why do you think? For all the animals! Put him away, put him away. After the meal, you and me will put him away. Put him away! Put him away! Don't make a fuss! Never, Never let, let us, us put him away! sit him in the corner and we'll logically explain he's a reasonable fellow with a very nimble brain he's, he's primarily, primarily a thinker he's primarily insane put him away put him away put him away put him away well that sounds like a richard rogers song if yes, i ever it heard does. one <laughs> and this is like a really progressive concept i think now people put their parents in homes all the time yeah but i don't think that that was like a first reaction back in the 70s you wanted to keep your parents in your house but also they think he's crazy well yeah they think he's crazy but i think they're also saying he's like old and crazy that's true so i don't want to say that this is my favorite rhyme just yet because it's a little bit early Two songs in. Yeah, no. I'm Well, I'm not saying that it's my favorite. I'm just noting okay. that this rhyme happened, and I might 
play it for you guys. I'm not sure. There's a lovely little home about a mile outside of Nod where, with all the other loonies, he can sit and talk to God. <laughs> I love that. It's just so ridiculous. <laughs> and they really think he's crazy, but, like, the way they say, you're a fucking lunatic, is like, Dad's a little loony. <laughs> Before Noah is written off as a man, a Gitka appears. A Gitka is a kind of Old Testament mouse-like creature that sang in the presence of God. Oh my god, you guys! You know how much I like mice! <laughs> it, it sings now. <sighs> the Gitka song. Oh my god, I'm so excited. <laughs> and as a side note, you know, and all it tells you who sings what song, and it says Danny Kay sings the first song, and Danny Kay and Harry Gauze and Marilyn Cooper and Michael Carms in the next song. This song it says Danny Kay and the Gitka sing this song. She doesn't even get a credit. No. Or she, he, or oh, uh, wait, is it just Danny Kay like doing a mouse voice? Oh, oh my god, no. I'm turning it on right now. Oh my god, look, hundreds of animals, thousands. Covering the fields. Of every sort and variety. I never knew there were so many different kinds. Tomorrow we begin building the ark. Well, <laughs> that was not what I was expecting. It was just a weird instrument. Yeah, some sort of keyboard or synthesizer or something. I'm disappointed. Move on. Right. Nothing more to be said. <laughs> Conviction sets in amongst the children when pairs of animals begin to assemble in the field. Yay, animals! Lions and lambs at ease together as if each were holy to the other. Is holy the right word there? I don't know. Whatever. All right. I imagine them bowing to each other like, I respect you and I think you are holy. I also respect you and I think you are also holy. Bless you, child. Bless you, child. Now, quickly, all of Noah's family are ready to get out with the boat building. All, that is, except Japheth. Well, he has a chip on his shoulder. He does. Japheth is outraged. Oh, well, I wasn't expecting him to be that angry. He is so mad. He alone never doubted his father. It's God he thinks is crazy. Doesn't he like anything, anywhere? He's, oh, because he's yeah. going to destroy it. Yes. Well, he's not going to destroy you, so I guess you should <laughs> feel happy. So this leads into the next song, Something Somewhere. I don't like the song. I do like the song. It's just the recording. Yeah. Okay. Well, so hopefully I'm going to fiddle with some stuff. I am not an audio engineer <laughs> by any means, as we all probably know, but I'm going to try and make it better than what we just heard because <laughs> the treble on that was so quiet. I could barely hear what was happening. I'm not claiming to be an audio expert of any sort, but the lead, oh, Walter Willison singing that song sounds like he is 20 feet away from the microphone. And Meanwhile, the brass section is, like, in front of the microphone. And then the rest of the family seems like they're somewhere in between. I do like the song. Yes. Like, I like his melody. It's nice. But, uh, yeah, generally good song. Nice tenor. 
Yeah, he's really good. The trouble is, Japheth, the idealist and rebel, is also the handy one. Uh, of course he is. <laughs> he knows about cubits. Well, that makes one of us. <laughs> and I looked it up a little bit ago. A cubit is the size of your forearm or 18 inches. It's a... 18 inches? That's, it's an that's inexact, a huge man. <laughs> it's an inexact measurement. It's uh, either 18 inches or the size of your forearm. I think that my forearm is like 12. <laughs> Everyone measure your forearms. Let me know. <laughs> we'll take a poll on our Instagram. Yes, what size fun. is your cubit? <laughs> He can handle gopher wood. Also, what the hell is gopher wood? I don't know. It just makes me think that little gophers are just like, I'm building a house. And then like Noah's coming in. He's like, excuse me, I need this. And all the gophers are like, um, what? Well, I guess gophers float and maybe that type of wood floats. What? I don't know. That was where my mind was. Gophers float? Do they? Otters? Oh my god. <laughs> no, I know what gophers are now. They're like Caddyshack. They're... I don't, I've never seen Caddyshack. Well, they're, <laughs> they're land creatures. Yeah, they're like prairie dogs and gophers. Like, they're similar. And beavers oh deal with goodness. wood. I don't know. Are you confusing beavers and no, otters and I, gophers? Oh, okay. Forget that I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after Noah summarily translates these into feet and cypress. The... Wait, I'm sorry. What did you just say? I think it's saying that Noah converts cubits into feet and gopher wood into cypress trees. Oh. Yes. Japheth, the family engineer, insists on a rudder, but God didn't include that in the specifications. Which leads to the song. You have got to have a rudder on the ark. Well, this is going to be a hoot and a half. (laughs) But God didn't say talk it over. So there ain't gonna be no discussions. And therefore, sunny boy, the subject's closed. There's got to be a teardrop when you cry. In winter you need clothes or else you freeze. And I know you will agree that a lock should have a key. And the pea soup has to have a couple peas. Another county heard from get the wood and bring it. You see to plant a crop. Like the teardrop in the winter. Stop the rage of going into. You have got to have a rudder on the ark. I know. You have got to have a rudder yeah. on the ark. Okay, I'm used to the character voice now. Yes, I was about to say the same thing. I'm into it. I'm here for it. I am in awe of the fact that he's belting in that <laughs> yes. character voice. It's making my voice hurt. And you really feel like the control that he has over this character right now and the type of energy he's bringing, I really am enjoying it. I think we can officially say that there's something wrong with Walter Willison's microphone during this recording. Yes. Because everyone else sounds normal and he sounds like he is down the hallway to the left. I do think that this song is kind of a modern interpretation of the Bible versus a traditionalist interpretation of the Bible. Well, based on the summary, I think Noah is the traditionalist because he wins this round. There will be no rudder. You know, although a second ago, he just converted cubits into feet. Well, he just had to, logistically. (laughs) Other things are wrong. Japheth isn't married and can't be on the ark without a mate. 
And a ha- mate. And Ham is not on good terms with his wife, Rachel. They've been married five years, time enough to find joy, and a long time to be unhappy. Oh. Somehow, Rachel confides to Esther, it hasn't been a true marriage. Least the next song, something doesn't happen. But this whole thing about time, Noah being 600, five years actually isn't that long. No, it's if you not. Live to six hundred. Yeah, I don't understand the whole like. What what is the age range of a person at this point? I don't know. Like, how are they Dumbledore? Like, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Ooh, but let's hear these ladies. Too long to be unhappy. Too long for tears to fall. Too long to. pretty but I, I love a two lady duet i love a two lady duet when it's like motivated and good but i don't like i know him so well from chess yeah but this was not that i'm a little a little bored noah wants japheth to find himself a wife but japheth rebels against the whole process nice <laughs> he will stay behind and drown to protest the heartlessness of a god who would destroy a whole world too far japheth yes too far. <laughs> i was with you i was totally on your side this is like every teenager. Yeah. They're like, I totally understand where you're coming from. And then they're like, and I'm going to shave my head and move into a campsite. And you're like, um, no. Yeah. And Javis probably a young man of 80 right now. At least. At minimum. <laughs> the way this aging process goes. With the arc half finished, Javis runs off. His 600-year-old father tries his best to fill in for him, but he tires easily. No shit. What, the, this is like the fifth time they've said he's 600. His wife of over 100 years faces facts. Wow. Wait, so theoretically... He was 500. When they got married. How old is Esther? I don't know. 20? Well. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it is sometimes. But also, like, they're getting on Japheth for being a however old virgin. Theoretically, in this time... You're not supposed to have sex before you're married. And he was 500. <laughs> so let's let Japheth do what he wants. Noah's not as young as he used to be. Which leads to the next song. An old man. The hug that he gives you is hardly a hug. You remember the hug that it's not sun but he's partial to shade to himself he's a wit to the world he's a pest oh isn't what he does best well that was super sweet i thought it was really nice that was esther it was esther yes okay joan copeland she's very traditional 
Yeah. It's time for Jen's Weird Ears. <laughs> <laughs> to Jen and no one else in the world, this an old man do 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 is to me. You wait, little girl. From You Are 16 going on 17. You know, after you mentioned that, though, I was hearing You Are 16 going on 17 the whole time. Oh, you were? Yeah, like you could sing it on top of that melody. And I wonder if Richard Rodgers has like a type of sound feel if he's talking about age. Maybe, because some people have like, when they sing ballads, they see certain colors and Mm -hmm. stuff. So maybe he has certain intervals that he feels remind him of age. Yeah. God, from somewhere off stage, makes a small miracle, and Noah reappears as a much younger man. Ooh, finally. 510 years younger, in fact. So he's 90. And that is the name of the song, 90 Again. When we're 90 again, (laughs) only 90 again. I used to huff and puff and cough and wheeze, but now I'm like a lion in the den. Just look at me today. Hey, Esther, wanna play? I feel like I'm 90 again. My muscles all have muscles of their own. They're popping up like daisies in the glen. I'm frisky as a pup. Hey, Esther, hurry up! I feel like I'm 90 again. I can't... Yay! He's here! He's here! <laughs> He's finally here! That song energized me. I feel like I'm 90 again. there are a few lyrics that i love in this okay Uh, i wasn't able to type some of them as fast but um just the snippet my vision is a vision not a blur (laughs) (laughs) and then all my faculties are stretching and yawning i'm just like a sunrise i'm dawning and then he like elongates the n yes (laughs) i love it when people sing on consonants Mm -hmm. when it's merited i don't like them when they do it all the time vibratoing that n (laughs) yeah that's the best comedic choice for sure it feels like we've finally met danny k i feel like he finally arrived yes and i think that's kind of funny because he's the star vehicle for this show. Yes. And he's like probably buried in old age makeup and a character voice. And you're like, is that him? What's wrong with him? I haven't seen him in a while. Is that how old he is? What's going on? And then <laughs> this song comes and you're like, oh, there you are, Peter. It just feels good. This this song has rejuvenated me. With his vigor restored. Da, 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 da. Noah finishes the arc and begins to load in the animals, the biggest and heaviest amidships. He has even picked up nautical terminology. Ooh. Japheth returns for the good of the family. At first, he doesn't recognize his father. And when he does, he thinks Noah looks silly. All that blonde hair and goatish enthusiasm. Danny Kaye is famously redheaded. (laughs) Yes, he is. Hence why I love him so much. Maybe he wore a wig. In front of an embarrassed Japheth, the rejuvenated Noah expounds at some length on his and God's approval of coupling. Coupling? Two by two. Okay. This is, as Mikey always says, the title song. (laughs) Two by two. It's logical. Two by two. It's comfortable. Two by two. 
It's catchy, no? Too tight, too. It's practical. God has decreed to, therefore you need to. Ham's got, and Shem's got. Go and get what them's got, Jaffy, to buy two. Go make yourself to buy two. And climb aboard plenty room for you and you know who. Lots of things are done by one. Looms are spun by one. Races won by one. Ships are run by one. When it comes to families, two by two. What I love that song. <laughs> That's the one song that I do remember from the first time I ever listened to this. That would make sense because I feel like years from now I'll be on a walk staring at the sky and this will just come to my head. With lyrics like, those who meet God's terms can come, pachyderms can come, teeny worms can come, even germs can come, <laughs> if they come together, two by two. This song is Pachyderms filled. and teeny worms? Yes. <laughs> even germs. <laughs> I just don't believe he rhymed pachyderms with anything. I love it. <laughs> but this song is filled with great rhymes. Camels and crickets all got family tickets. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, I don't know why it tickles me so... I mean, these rhymes are really, really good. But I think it tickles me even more because it's about animals. Mm -hmm. And we all know I have a problem. But this has nothing to do with animals. This one has to be, okay, this is my favorite one because it makes me laugh and makes my skin crawl and makes me <laughs> shake my head all at the same time. Will you hug and smooch you will, bet your boots you will, if she's cute you will, feel so mute you will, in a bet it's better, two by two. <laughs> I love cute you will, mute you will. It's very smart, but also... Ew. In a bed, it's better? Ooh, dad. Gross. Yeah, well, he is 90 again, so he's he's hip. He's hip with the times? <laughs> yes, yes. Ooh. They're like maybe the same age now. I don't know. Yeah, we have no idea. They, they might be. Japheth has been followed by a friend. Her Ooh, name... a girlfriend? Correct. Ooh. Her name is Goldie. Oh, she sounds old. <laughs> <laughs> but... Maybe she's just, you know, the ripe old age of 85. What's funny, too, is they made up the female names in this because there's none in the Bible. So they're like, Goldie, ooh, young Goldie. Like Goldie Hawn. Oh, I guess so. This is the 70s. When Japheth tried to warn a mob of townspeople that God's wrath was about to descend on them, their wrath descended on Japheth. Whoa. And Goldie had to save his life. Wow, yes, Goldie. Mm-hmm. Goldie is a golden girl from the temple of the golden ram. No. <laughs> I can't handle any of what you just said. I love the whole sentence. <laughs> what? That's why her name is Goldie. She's not exactly orthodox. Well, she's from the temple of the golden ram. <laughs> Nevertheless, Noah highly approves of her, thinking that young Japheth has found a mate at last. As the dark clouds begin to gather overhead, Goldie is pressed into coming along to the boat ride. That is a commitment. Yes. Well, guess I'm stuck with you to forever. Literally. <laughs> She's not attracted to Japheth. Oh, no. <laughs> but Esther assures her they'll work something out later. But they don't. Esther, did you not learn anything from your other daughter-in-law? <laughs> your right. other daughter-in-law is miserable. But this one will work out. Maybe they'll just switch. Oh, that would work. Well, I don't know. Anyway. Japheth has secretly long been in love with Rachel, Ham's <gasps> wife. Oh my goodness! Oh my god, I'm a psychic! I 
didn't even read that. Oh my god! <laughs> Part of his reluctance to board the Ark is the thought of being constantly near Rachel, but unable to express his love. Oh my god, I can't believe I was right. I'm sweating. Now, a moment before the deluge, he confesses to her. Which leads to the song, I did not know a day I did not love you. That's a very confusing <laughs> title. I do not know a day I did not love you. I can't remember love not being there. The planting when the When the sun danced in your hair. Wow, I loved that. Of course you did. And you might not hear the end, but um, they're not afraid to go very high. I was surprised about how high he sung. Yeah, he's a tenor, baby. I love the old tenor sound. It's just great. And Richard Rogers' song, too. I feel like really good about it. Okay, good. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) As the end of the world begins, the road's already rivers, Noah knocks out Japheth and has him carried aboard. Oh, geez. When all are safe but himself, Noah calls on God to forgive mankind and stay his hand. But it is too late. The flood has begun. Which leads to a reprise of Something Somewhere. Just kidding. Weird thing. That song is not on the album. Even though it is listed on the back as being there. I don't know. So the back that we're reading from is like this sticker that was put on definitely after the record was made. I don't know. But maybe this is an earlier sticker and they didn't put on the later. I have no idea. I mean, it does say notes printed prior to the recording of this album, but... So maybe they thought that they would have time to include the reprise, but they only have... 25 minutes of music they can put on each True. side so they probably ran out of time and they're probably like it's a reprise you've heard it already yeah exactly <laughs> so we do know what it sounds like so if you want to hear that song go back a couple <laughs> minutes find it and um we're gonna keep going yeah well that ends act one the flood happens that was so anticlimactic <laughs> and now we go into act two 40 days and nights later the rain has stopped The world is an endless sea on all sides of the Ark. The eight relieved survivors turn out on deck to enjoy the first post-Deluvian sunshine. Oh. Japheth is still angry about being shanghaied. Whoa. Okay. I didn't know that was a term from the Bible. (laughs) But the others, led by Noah, are playful and optimistic. It's going to be a great new world when it dries, which is the name of this song. Why are you so gloomy? We're alive and we're afloat. After 40 days and nights, it's shipshape on the boat. Look, the sun's come out again and turned a rosy red. How can you be gloomy when you think of what's ahead? 
gonna be some terrific place when it dries, when it dries. You're gonna see wide and open space when it dries, when it dries. It's gonna be some terrific place. You're gonna see wide and open space. We're gonna have such a human race when it dries. Welcome to Act Two. Yay. That's a good opening act number. Yeah, it got me pumped up. Yeah, I'm into it. Everyone's happy, even though Japheth is not as grumpy in the song as I thought. No, it kind of reminded me of like a, I'm not going to say a throwaway song from Oklahoma, but like a... Like hoedown-y? Yeah. Like they wouldn't, time period-wise, be doing like country dancing, but I could see them like grabbing elbows and like twirling. Esther is feeling poorly. The trip has been hard for her, and from her point of view, the cruelest thing God did was to make Noah young while leaving her an old person. <laughs> so, <sorry. laughs> so I'm guessing she's like 600 also. We have, but she's definitely older than he is now. Yes, for sure. She's not 90. And that is mean. Well, Noah does his best to reassure and console her, and then he sings this song called You. Harold. <laughs> Who takes time to understand me Gives me heart when I have none Girly, you can have three guesses All you really need is one Who puts up with all my nonsense And who never once says boo the very lovely, sweet and gentle, young as ever, one and only, now and always, you. Aww. Mikey, will you sing this to me when I'm old? I will sing this song to you. You can sing it to me at our 50th wedding anniversary. Oh, how about our 600th wedding anniversary? We will be very decomposed. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me feel in the similar way that I feel when I hear Do You Love Me from Fiddler. Like a a cuter, timeless to me from Hairspray. Way cuter. I just love songs like this. Other relationships have changed during the 40-day enforced incubation period. Well... Don't we all know that feeling? (laughs) It's a little too close to home at the moon. For those of you listening in the future, it is the year 2020. It is the year 2020 in the month of May, and we've all been inside for weeks. (laughs) Like 40 days. Yeah, we got that. Ham, who was drawn to Goldie at first sight. Yes! Switch partners. Do it. Can barely keep his hands off her. Whoa. Okay, well, you should probably get a divorce before you start, yeah. like, touching up some lady from the Golden Ram Temple or whatever. kind of weird right now. Yeah. Back when she was a golden girl for the Rams. What is that? Is that a cheerleader? <laughs> what is that? It used to be considered much bad luck to touch her. What? They're trying to, like, make a pagan religion. Yeah, is she a witch? I don't know. What's happening? Very odd. She vainly tries to reestablish her previous ceremonial standing, which leads to the song The Golden Ram. All right, explain to me. Oh, ye 
soprano. <laughs> My ears are bleeding. It's a fun song. I Yeah, I don't really understand what it's about. No, they're writing about a fake pagan religion, but it's through a weird lens. But I'm just confused as to the sexual aspect of it. Like yeah. they said that she wasn't able to be touched, but then there's mention of if you go to this place, you'll be sexually revitalized or something. It is very confusing. It just seems like a half idea. Okay, let's move on. But Ham presses her too hard and Noah- And she explodes. (laughs) (laughs) No touch. (laughs) Boosh. (laughs) And Noah coming around a bulwark finds them merrily rustling on the deck. Rustling? Wrestling. That's what we're calling it. Mm-hmm. There are other things that just don't smell right to Noah. I'm sorry, what? They just don't smell right. Okay, that is a not a good turn of phrase to put in that place. Some cargo has shifted and the Ark is listing badly. Uh-oh. On exploring the hold, Noah finds a huge cachet of manure briquettes. <laughs> oh, so it doesn't smell right. Literally. <laughs> Which Shem and Leah have been collecting against the day when they will own the only dry fuel in the whole world. What are you talking about? I don't know. Don't introduce this. I guess. What? (laughs) Shem and Leah are shamed out of their capitalistic industry and agree to share the wealth. Of the poop. As the waters recede, the Ark begins to race and collide with Flotsam from the drowned civilization. And what's what What's that? Flotsam? I don't know what Flotsam is, actually. <laughs> I could look That's it up. That's the name of those two fish in The Little yeah, Mermaid, right? Flotsam and Jetsam. Uh, so Flotsam is the wreckage of a ship. Oh, that's oh, funny. Oh. Wait, what's Jetsam? I don't know. Let's see. Jetsam is unwanted material or goods that have been thrown overboard from a ship. Oh, the oh, more you know. Wow. <laughs> Unless the old boat can be kept headed into the current, they may capsize and drown after all. Oh, no. Japheth installs a rudder he has hidden oh, against my. just this need. But Noah makes him take it off. God, he says, will provide for them. Which leads to the next song. Papa knows best. Japheth, we're sinking. Please put the rudder back. Don't worry, Shem. God's looking out for us. Have you lost your mind? No. I have faith just like Papa. Right, Papa? The God I know knows where we are. He's done all right by us so far. And now I think he'd like to see how great our trust in him can be. The God I know is testing us. That's all this is a test. Listen to Papa. Papa knows God. And God knows Papa knows best. So I'm not sure what cut we're going to play for you guys, but the end left me a little confused. Yeah, I was a little confused until I read ahead and the next few sentences explain the entire song. Oh, okay, go. (laughs) Yes. So immediately they collide with an ex-house and begin to sink. What's an ex-house? I don't know. Let's just say a house. Yeah. (laughs) I guess what was once a house. Exactly. Noah is bested and has to yield the point. He does not take it well. 
If a man who has spoken to God can be proved wrong by his youngest son, he might as well go off and get drunk. He does. Uh-oh. Okay. So, so he does say put the rudder back. Yes. In place. Because he's like, oh, we hit a house. Yeah, and he's kind of lost his faith in God at this point. Okay. I mean, maybe that's a little too deep. On a lighter note, this song kind of sounds like... <laughs> Which I've just Someone stop me. It's <laughs> from uh, Carmen. It's Habanera. Yes, that. Mm-hmm. It sounds like that to my weird ears. That youngest son has come to another realization. The love he and Rachel feel for each other is real and won't go away or be denied. Japheth has fought against his feelings to protect her, but Rachel convinces him that a life with him is the only future she wants. Aww. Which leads to a reprise of I Do Not Know a Day I Did Not Love You. <laughs> oh my god, it's the worst title. It's my favorite song title. What are you talking about? Let's also see if this reprise is here. And as we face a promise of tomorrow One fact alone is full and filled with song feelings mm-hmm. that song is nice with uh, it's still nice with an additional layer of female voice and a very far away boy voice yes <laughs> guys i can't handle it why is it so far one couple at least is still intact consoling themselves for a loss of their briquettes the thought that one third of the world will soon belong to them shem and leah decide to put up with each other oh and they sing a song as far as i'm concerned how romantic. Mm-hmm. Does it bother me that you're cheerful as a mummy? When you let out a yell, my entire left side goes numb. Am I ever upset because you're such a dummy? That my family, rest in peace, used to call you a bum. Will it matter to us when all of this is over? When a sort of sense of order has returned Let him call you a witch Or say you're fat My magnificent one My pussycat What a cute romantic love song But seriously though, I really like it (laughs) It's funny, it's good The dynamic reminds me of like Nathan Adelaide They're mean to each other, but they love each other But it opened and I was like shocked Yes. Like the first line is, Does it matter to me that no one here can stand you? Yeah, I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then he says, Does it matter that every meal you make gives everyone a bellyache? <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Yes, yes. I actually really like this song too. Me too. So this song also has one of those weird ear things that only I can hear, but maybe someone else out there also heard it and is wondering, what does that song sound like? What is that weird thing that it sounds like? I don't know. Hmm, I'll tell you what it is. It is You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, that was off-Broadway three years before. 
I think that's undeniable, and I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. It definitely sounds like the kite song. Right. So it sounds like the, now that I see you chasing moles, climbing trees, digging holes. Maybe it was subconsciously in his head? I don't know. Honestly, I'm sure he saw it. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm not sure, but chances are he saw it. Mm-hmm. Moving right along. Noah, now an old man again, recovers from- Oh. Yeah, what? How'd that happen? Is it because he denied God or something? Oh, yep. Mm. Vengeful God. Have oh, we... and he sinned. Gluttony. Oh. This... How did they get alcohol? That's a good question. Noah, now an old man again, recovers from his lengthy drunk to find that his problems have not solved themselves. They're worse. Ham wants to shed Rachel and marry Goldie. Shed? Shed. Like she's... An extra layer of clothing. Yes. <laughs> okay, gross. Japheth and Rachel want to marry right away. Worst of all, they have won over their mother. Esther is on their side. Well. Mazel to them. That seems fine. Moving on. Why does he want all everyone to be unhappy? Well, that's fine. Because he's unhappy. Noah will have none of it. He figures God didn't save the human race just to allow divorce and adultery. Oh. Oh, yeah, the divorce is a sin, I guess. No, it definitely is. He stands his ground. The dove has brought back the olive branch, and soon all will be well. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot that that even happened. But then Esther begins to sink towards death. What? That was abrupt. Very abrupt, and Noah can deny her nothing. She asks him to marry the lovers. Noah holds her in his arms. What, is he a priest? I guess. I mean, he's the only person. And he sings, hey, girly. Look, I swear I will not touch another drop. And I promise to be better with the boys. And I'll stop whatever when you tell me stop. Except snoring. But I won't make so much noise. Hey, girly, tell you what. Later on, we'll watch the sun parade the sky. And we'll toast a hundred million mornings more. And we'll talk about the places We'll explore. So we're probably not going to play the end of that song because there's just so much of, like, nice bits of it. But the last line, she dies, I assume, and he says, what'd you have to go and do that for? (sighs) This song is heart-wrenching. And from a musical that has not had songs like this yet, it came as a surprise. Well, I mean, no one died or anything. I don't know. I mean, it's well, like everyone the else on the world. world. But we breezed by that. That mm-hmm. wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. We weren't really invested in them. But we were invested in Esther. <sighs> I don't even know what else to say. Just keep going. Now I'm sad. It's a nice song. Well, the next two words here, Esther dies. Yeah, I know that. <sighs> Noah stands and asks God to bless the two new unions of his children. Noah bids farewell to the three families. Shem and Leah will go to the east, Ham and Goldie to the north, Japheth and Rachel to the south. All three wives are now big with child. 
Whoa. Right. <laughs> How about time has <laughs> passed? What the heck? Two things, yeah. Time has passed and also big with child. <laughs> I hate that term. When they have gone, Noah pesters God for some kind of sign, promising that he will never again destroy the world. I don't think it's pestering if you're one of seven people on the earth. Yes. What else does God have to do? Man may destroy it himself, Noah grants, but then it won't be God's fault. Noah proposes a deal, a covenant. After all, God needs men too, for who else will acknowledge him? The terms are, he doesn't destroy the earth, we don't forget his name. After an almighty amount of grumbling on high, it's a deal and a rainbow, which leads to the final song, The Covenant. I've got a proposition that I know you will acclaim. You don't destroy the world again. We don't forget your name. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never harm me. Suddenly, old skinny me has turned into an army. Due respect you will collect, but now I'm not afraid. I'm sorry, Lord, I stay on board until the deal is made. No, no, Lord, that's it. That's the deal. Take it or leave it. You keep us alive, and we'll keep you alive. No, Lord, you won't regret it, I promise you. Well, that was a nice oh, end. Yeah. It's kind of weird that uh, he's alone. Yeah, it ends with one person. Even with a small musical of just eight people, you typically don't end with a solo. Yeah, but he is the star vehicle, and it is his show. True. And he's Noah. I kind of like how he's, like, threatening God. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, like, really took him by the biblical cojones <laughs> and was like listen dude we're not playing anymore you're either gonna cease to exist or you're gonna exist on my terms i mean god gave him a lot and he he took away a lot at the end too but then at the end of yeah. the truce he was like you got drunk one day i'm killing your wife like whoa <laughs> like it does not seem equivalent i don't recall that happening in the bible i'm pretty sure it doesn't Oh, that's beautiful. What is it? A rainbow? Uh... Now we get to delve into the history. But because these guys are so legendary... It is really hard to not want to really fall down the research rabbit hole. So we tried to hold back, but we hope you guys enjoy. So Peter Stone wrote the book. He is most known for writing the book for 1776. Which was on Broadway in 1969, one year before this show opened. He also wrote the book for Titanic, Woman of the Year, and Will Rogers Follies. He had a screenwriting career as well for TV and film, including Charade, Arabesque, and The Taking of Pelham, 1, 2, and 3. He was born in 1930 in L.A. His father was a producer of silent films. He died in 2003 in New York City. Martin Sharnin wrote the lyrics. 
He's most known for writing the lyrics to Annie. He was also a director, and he directed, you guessed it, Annie, the original and the revivals. This is my favorite fact. He was also an actor, and he was in the original Broadway cast of West Side Story as Big Deal, one of the Jets. (laughs) So (laughs) he said, but the gym's a neutral territory. (laughs) And he's one of the singers of the line, when you're a jet, you're the swing in this thing. Little boy, you're a man. Little man, you're a king. (laughs) I love that. I did not know that. And I think that that's amazing. He was born in 1934 in New York City. He was the son of William Sharnan, who was an opera singer. And he died in 2019 in White Plains, New York. Mm. <laughs> Richard Rogers wrote the music. <laughs> what do you even say about Richard Rogers? Okay, so there's a lot to say. We're going to try and blast through this because I'm sure a lot of you know this stuff. But... Obviously, he was part of the historic team of Rodgers and Hammerstein, who wrote Cinderella, South Pacific, Oklahoma, Carousel, The King and I, Sound of Music, and many more. Yes. <laughs> but he was also in the team Rodgers and Hart, who wrote Babes in Arms, Pal Joey, Boys from Syracuse, Chi-Chi, and On Your Toes. So there's only one musical he wrote the lyrics and music to. It is called No Strings, and we have that on vinyl, and I'm sure we'll get to it later. I'm actually excited about it. He also wrote Do I Hear a Waltz uh, with Sondheim writing the lyrics, which is kind of crazy. His daughter was Mary Rogers, who wrote Once Upon a Mattress, the music to that. She also wrote the novel of Freaky Friday, which now lives (laughs) on in movie form and musical form. Richard Rogers' grandson and Mary Rogers' son is Adam Gettle, who wrote Light in the Piazza and Floyd Collins. Richard Rogers was born in 1902 in New York City. He's the son of a doctor. And he died in 1979 in New York City. So, now that we know a little bit about the writers, let's learn more about the show and how it came to be. It's based on Clifford Odette's play, The Flowering Peach, which was noted in the Rogers and Hammerstein Encyclopedia as a warm domestic drama. Which is in contrast to Two by Two, which they categorized as, quote, a vaudeville comedy act. Martin Sharnan was passionate about making this musical because The Flowering Peach was the first play he ever saw. He brought this idea to Richard Rogers in 1968, and they began to collaborate. Richard Rogers was a fan of Danny Kaye, explaining in the New York Times, quote, His great skill as an actor and his compassion, his humanistic approach, all the artistry, humor, and energy that is Danny Kaye is essential to Noah. So obviously he was precast, so the show could be written to his talents. According to an interview with Sharnan, Richard Rogers, who he informally calls Dick throughout the interview, which I get a kick out of, (laughs) would read the lyrics, approve of them or not, tell Sharnan to go get a coffee, and by the time he came back, Rogers had a tune to go with Sharnan's lyrics. Sharnan wanted to make his small, or as he would say, practical cast of eight people ethnically diverse to explain modern-day ethnic groups, since when God sent the flood, he left only eight people. And Sharnan lovingly calls this show a, quote, dysfunctional family musical. When the show got to the theater, Danny Kay was given the same dressing room he had for Let's Face It, which was the last show he did 29 years prior. In an interview with the Montreal Gazette, 
Kay says, quote, I have a ball on Wednesdays and Saturdays. These people are here because they want to be here. I love them. Okay, strange that someone loves matinees so much because they are <laughs> known for being kind of duds of audiences. Was he lying? Maybe he was being sarcastic <laughs> yeah. and the guy didn't pick it up. But I think it's sad that out of the eight shows a week that he did, he only enjoyed two of them. <laughs> Is that how you're interpreting that? Yeah, like, he's like, I like these two shows. <laughs> Everyone else, uh, kind of annoying, but these matinee people, they really know what's up. Oh, Danny Kay. Like we said earlier, Danny Kay ad-libbed a lot. Here's an excerpt from a letter to the editor of the New York Times describing just that. Uh, it's a bit long, but it's pretty funny. But before you read that, they need to remember that Danny Kay, during most of the run of this, was... Either in a wheelchair or in a cast on crutches. Yes. So keep that in mind. <laughs> Quote, right off, in his opening soliloquy with God, he began with the jokes about his accident and never really discontinued them until toward the end of the show. Not only that, he used his wheelchair, his crutches, and his encased leg to terrorize the cast into, <laughs> quote, breaking up at every available opportunity. With the single exception of the actor who played his youngest son, who absolutely refused to get out of character. Yes, Walter Willison. <laughs> the others, at times, could barely read their lines audibly, far less limb a decent role. They were too busy being chased down, prodded and kicked at by Kay. This is still part of the same quote. Nor was that all. He regaled us by throwing lines at Dick Cavett, seated in the audience goosing the actress who played his wife during what I think was intended to be a charming little love song, pretending to forget his lines and yelling into the wings for cues. He didn't give up these shenanigans until the final 15 minutes, from the time his wife died until his final chat with the Lord. During those brief moments, he gave some indication of what he might have been able to do with the role of sensitivity and depth had he given himself the chance. By then, things were in such a shambles, it really didn't matter. I'm glad that he didn't do anything crazy in the last 15 minutes now listening to it. This guy really went in on Danny Kay. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot. I don't agree with changing what authors say or like what they write. But this show was kind of written for him. And also, he's Danny Kay. Like, he's yeah. a comedian. Comedians like to put their own spin on stuff. Like, now that all the writers have passed, if you're going to do this show, I think you should do what's written on the well, page. Well, and also, you're not Danny Kay. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> like, the only other person that I could... I could see two people, and one of them has played this role. Jason Alexander. Mm -hmm. I can see him kind of making it his own, and I can see Nathan Lane making it his own. Oh my goodness. Those are the Such only two idea. people that I would allow to futz with it. Yes. So, people were also outraged that Danny Kaye wasn't nominated for a Tony for the show. Uh, another letter to the editor of the New York Times goes as far as to say... Quote, to omit Danny Kay from the nominations is an insult to our intelligence. <laughs> it is also demeaning to all standards of excellence in the theater. Another part of this letter says, quote, the exclusion of Danny Kay in this year's nominations is a scandal. We <laughs> a scandal? cannot permit such a gigantic blunder to occur again. Oh, so as you could tell from these letters, the show had really mixed reviews. Like really mixed <laughs> reviews. <laughs> A New York Times review basically thought 
Kay and Rogers could do no wrong, while Stone's book was tedious and Sharnan's lyrics were, quote, serviceable. It's rough. Uh, he didn't think the story needed to be told, but was grateful it was told by Kay and still recommended that people flock to the theater. Flock. <laughs> the show was financially successful and made a profit, even though it was up for slightly less than a year because it had a big ticket star attached to it. And Danny Kay said he would be with the show as long as business warranted because he wanted to, quote, be fair with the people who invested money in it. Good guy. But Kay's contract with the show ended on September 11th, and that is also the day the show closed. Coincidence? We think not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but contrary to what some history books may tell you, Danny Kay was not the only star in this show. We have some other ones. Like, Madeline Kahn played Goldie. And for those who don't know Madeline Kahn, you probably have seen her in the cult classic Clue. Also as, Mikey's favorite movie. Yes, as Mrs. White. And if you don't know who Mrs. White is, she has the famous line, Flames on the side of my face. She also was in the Young Frankenstein movie as Elizabeth Benning, Frankenstein's fiancée. So she was first on Broadway in Leonard Silman's New Faces of 1968, which was a review. But this show, 2 by 2 was her first role on Broadway. She was in the original Broadway cast of On the 20th Century as Lily Garland, which is, for those of you who don't know, the role that Kristen Chenoweth played. Another cool person in the show is Joan Copeland, who played Esther. And she's actually most known for being Arthur Miller's youngest sister. Um, she was also in the revival of Pal Joey and was standby Coco in the musical Coco. One other person that we just thought was interesting is Harry Gauz, who played Shem and was also Danny Kaye's understudy. He was Malakov in the original Broadway cast of Chess. A replacement Tevya on Broadway a few times since it was on Broadway for so long. <laughs> and my favorite fact about him, he was the apple in the Fruit of the Loom commercials in the 70s and 80s. There's tons of these videos on YouTube. I will Just... definitely be putting them on Instagram. <laughs> I think they're so funny. Oh, gosh. All right, we finally made it to the question should this musical still be produced? One, two, three. Yes. yes. Yeah. Pretty I, solid yes. Mm -hmm. I think a ton of different groups can do this. Definitely religious groups. Yeah. And that goes for Christian and Jewish. Yeah, um, like anyone. Unitarian. Anyone who <laughs> believes in the Old Testament. And even if you don't, you can do it. It's good for if you're in a community that doesn't have like a ton of people interested in doing shows. If you're in a community theater that skews more towards adults than it does children. Mm -hmm. I know that this show was molded to Danny Kaye in mind, but it doesn't have to be. No, a lot of shows are molded to people. Yeah. But that doesn't mean other people can't play the roles. And I think with the mixture of three very notable writers working on it, Plus, fun music, a twist on a story that everyone knows. I think you could uh, you could actually sell tickets to this thing. 
So if you want to put on this show, you need to contact Concord Theatricals for the rights. For our specifications, a 100-seat house, tickets between $25 and $50 with 16 performances, the rights were $9,000, which is pretty reasonable. Yeah. Now on to the next useful segment of the show. The audition cut segment. I love this part. Yay! You can go first. So I'm going to continue the trend and pick another male vocal type cut. And I'm going to choose a song that Danny Kaye sings. Well, that's not hard. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, I'm surprised because I thought you were going to pick a uh, Walter Willison song. You know, I'm trying not to just pick the one tenor solo from every show but you say that every time and i don't think you've picked a tenor solo song this entire time because you're like i want to break with my personal problem i i'll pick one eventually so the song i'm picking is 90 again which i loved listening to and i'm choosing the end cut terrific thing that you've seen fit to do i thank you lord for all of it amen it's light instead of dark. I'll finish up the arc. I feel like I'm 90. I feel like I'm 90. I feel like I'm 90 again. Okay, so listening to it again, full disclosure, there's this part that ramps up that there's nothing happening. You might have to cut that portion. Yeah, it's a little weird. (laughs) For an audition. Yes, but I think this is a nice 16 bar cut. It gets very high. It's character-y. And I don't know, it's just funny. It makes me smile. And I believe that this song can be used for a variety of auditions. Tevia being the obvious. Very obvious. Well, I don't even know if Tevia needs to sing that high, though. He doesn't. But, <laughs> but he could. He could. <laughs> if you're not sure if you're a model or a Tevia, <laughs> sing this song. That's such a good idea. Yeah. You could be a really young Tevia, or you could be a really old model. There is a video online of, of Josh Groban playing Tevia. Well, he was like in high school. He was. <laughs> the only options they had were high schoolers. So what song did you pick? I picked, because I didn't want to go with the same type I normally go with, (laughs) I actually picked a soprano song because I thought it was fun. And I would never, ever, ever in a million years sing this in an audition because that is not my voice. (laughs) But I think for someone, this would be really, really good. If life's ashen with no passion, the golden rod will show thee what to do. Play it safe and don't tell Jacob, the golden rod is waiting just for you. note 
and you are crystal clear, how in the world are they not going to hire you? Yes, actually. So that was the Golden Ram, obviously. I think that song is applicable to a lot of shows. Oh, yeah. Like, definitely Camelot, The King and I. Mm Mm-hmm. Basically, any soprano, Rodgers and Hammerstein. I was even thinking, like, Gilbert and Sullivan, just operettas. Also, if you're thinking contemporary, I think Gentleman's Guide. If you are a dude and want to sing this for a Lacage audition. Or Chicago to play Mary Sunshine. Yeah, I just really like it. I don't think I could ever sing it in an audition, but I would appreciate if someone came in and sang that. Solid choice. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I feel like we could play clips from this show for forever, but alas, we cannot. Because then we would just be a three hour long podcast and that would be tedious. So, (laughs) anything you would like to leave them with? Yes. So I was really thinking about this and I think that this show would have been treated better in history if Danny Kaye wasn't starring in it. And I think that we could focus more on the show itself. And if it wasn't just a star vehicle for Danny Kaye, it might have done better. But it might have not. Yeah, it's hard to say because you because can't the change the Because the ticket past. sales did so bad when he wasn't in it. Who knows? I do think that this show would definitely be remembered differently if Danny Kaye didn't get hurt. For sure. Because I feel like, I mean, okay, maybe Danny Kaye is just one of my my golden people and I think he can't do anything wrong, but I'm just gonna excuse him with no historical background whatsoever <laughs> for ad-libbing because he was on painkillers. I'm just saying it. It is not a historical fact. <laughs> I'm just saying that my man should not be penalized because he was tripping on oxycodone. <laughs> it's not his fault. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> but if you take Danny Kay out of this equation and put someone else in it, it could definitely be still an interesting show. I'm sure the production uh, that Jason Alexander was in was fun. Yeah, I mean, the show has heart. Yes. And no matter who's starring in it, it's going to show through. And with that being said, that is all for today. Yes, thank you so, so much for listening. Yes, thank you so, so much. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you want to leave a review. But only if it's nice. If you want to email us any suggestions, you can do that at buriedbroadway at gmail.com. Please follow us on Instagram at buriedbroadway or search for our page on Facebook. We really appreciate all the support so far. Yes, thank you, and please help spread the word and tell your friends, share a link. Anything would be amazing. What What will we dig dig up next? next? Bye. Toodles. I know we just played you some songs from the show. But that doesn't mean we have the rights, you know. We're educating you and ourselves, you see. With musicals lost in history. So please don't call your lawyers. That would kill the vibe. We just want to make podcasts. And keep Buried Broadway alive. What did you have to go and do that for?